like it. My name is Kevin. I've got the wonderful privilege to lead this congregation with a wonderful team of elders. And um, yeah, excited for what God wants to do this morning. Uh, my wife, unfortunately, can't be as she's sick at home. Um, Parangitis or something like that. I've never heard of that before. Um, Parangitis. Uh, there we go. And I know the Afrikaans name for it. Um, so she's apparently quite contagious, and she's at home. I think that's what I had over the holiday time. Um, but please, yeah, pray for us. Hopefully, that's what I had, and she's the last one getting it in the household, and not the other way around. Otherwise, um, I might not be here next week, unless the Lord touches us and heals us. Amen? So um, this morning, I want to speak about abiding in the Word of God. I think one of the things that's probably my greatest concern as a pastor is to see how little the church get into the Word of God. I'm not speaking about a Sunday where someone preaches out of the Word of God. I'm speaking about Christian believers, followers of Jesus, that's not really getting into the Scriptures themselves. And so I'm trusting that God would shake us a bit this morning, that if we aren't faithful, if we're not really getting into it, a renewed desire and a passion and a love would grow in our hearts for God's Word. And if we are really into it and getting into it and growing, that we'll just be encouraged to keep on keeping on. Amen? But I realize if I look at the state of the world around us, the state of the world really requires the church to get into the Word. Because it's, it's, it's going crazy out there. Um, there's various beliefs and, and the media and the world is trying to indoctrinate us with, with their thinking and, and their culture. And the problem is you look at churches these days and the churches looks more like the world than Jesus. And a lot of the teachings are stuff that's not biblical at all. And it sounds amazing because people are really skilled communicators. So it sounds good, but it's actually very little truth. And maybe a measure of truth in there, but it's not. It's going to cause us to go astray. And maybe in a measure of love, in a measure of bondage. And so that's why it's so important for us to get into the Word of God. Like John said, Andrew asked us as a church for a season to focus solely on getting into the Word of God. And really let that wash us. Let that shape us. Um, Because there's so many dodgy teachings going around. And so if I look at reasons why we really need to get into the Scriptures, I think we live in a post-truth society. So everything goes. Your truth. You know, so, so I've got my truth and you've got your truth. Celebrate your truth. And so there's no absolute anymore. There's no truth. It's, it's, it's subjective to what you feel comfortable with. That is your truth. But I want to tell you this morning, there's only one truth. <laughs> there's not multiple truths out there and you can pick and choose. There's one truth. There's one truth. I want to quickly just show you, you can get to the next slide. This is the state of America Christians. Okay, so they did one of these surveys. And I think it would be much similar. I, I always thought American us are quite far apart, but I think with internet and social media, that gap has grown much smaller. And I think we, we're much similar to where they are at. 32 of evangelical believers um, say that their religious beliefs are not objectively true. So they do the church thing, but they're not, they're not convinced that it's the truth. 32%, almost a third of the church, just do church without having a conviction 
that Jesus is the only way. 51% of those evangel- evangelical beliefs also believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. There's many ways to God. Half of the church in America believes that there's recently we had a situation where an altar call was made at a high school here in Durbanville, and an altar call said that there's only one way to Jesus. And a, a, a leader of a church in Devonville had an issue that the call was made that there's only one way to Jesus. A Christian church, a very, they, they're quite all over the country, this church, and they had an issue with that statement. Because how can you exclude people and how can you say that? That's a church leader. 78% of those with evangelical beliefs also believe Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Now, if you believe that, close to 80% of the church, that's clear that you're not in your Bible. You're not reading the Word of God. Because Jesus isn't a created being. He's God Himself. And if you just start at one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, Jesus Christ. Let us make man. Millennials, that is, I, I don't think I'm a millennial already. I think it's the generation before me. I'm not sure. Oh, no, I think I am. This is Gen X. I'm not, I'm not sure where I fit in. I'm a human. <laughs> 52% of millennials believe the Bible-like writings contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it's not literally true. Is there some improved, or that's up from 2016? Scary stats. And I want to thank Quibus. Quibus helped me to get some of this. He shared a bit on that last year. Um, and this is the state of our post-truth society. And this is not even the world. These stats come from the church. Some of us will struggle with that. We get people upset at one stage because Russell said, if you don't repent of your sin, you will go to hell. If you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will go to hell. That's true. It's in the Bible. It's a harsh reality, but there's a hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's the way to the Father. So that's the message of hope. At the moment we say you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we feel that we exclude people. But there's a hope. And we shouldn't miss that. There's a hope that we want to present. But that loses its impact if there's no exclusivity, if there's no real feeling for the impact of sin. Why present hope if everyone will go to heaven? Why present the good news if anything goes? Yeah. Why did Jesus have to die? So there is one truth. Science is trying to try and get into the church and, and tell people that Jesus didn't create the world and, and we need to prove everything. Even Hebrews says you can look at all the creation studies, but to believe that God created is a faith thing. It's not an information thing. It's not a science thing. You can bake a cake. We can go to the picture of the cake. I know Zilla's here. Zilla, sit cakes. I'm doing a bit of, runs here, so I'm doing a bit of promotion. Um, someone in the church has that company, sit cakes, delicious cakes, looks beautiful. Um, but your nutritionist can tell you what are, 
what are the various um, benefits and, and what is the amount of sugar and how will that will impact your body. Mathematicians can tell you the formulas that were put together to create that cake. And you'll get various aspects of science that can, can like open up and, and tell you the various aspects of that cake. But none of the scientists can tell you why that cake was baked. Scriptures tell us why we've been created. Scripture tells us that there's a hope. It tells us the why. It addresses the why. Science can't address the why. The truth does. Jesus does. That cake is for my 40th birthday next year. Um, that's the why. <laughs> it's a Sunday. <laughs> We're going to have a party on the 18th of Feb next year. <laughs> that's the why. Um, why? <laughs> We're not calling it fast. <laughs> um, and then, like John also shared, part of why we need to get into the Word of God is there's so many false doctrines going around in churches. I mean, we looked at that states and that, that stats, and that's from churches. But there's so many Christian teaching that's all about you. Worship songs, the majority of worship songs these days are all about us, what God can do for me. There's extreme grace that you can do whatever you want. God's grace will cover you. That's nonsense. There's kingdom now theology, but God's kingdom has come fully and it will also come. We need to have a Hebrew way of thinking that has space for both. There's a tension. Greek thinking is like it's got to be black and white. But his kingdom has come and it will come. There's an attack on male leadership. There's an attack on the family. There's compromise and sexuality in churches and teachings that says that we can lean one way. We can't lean. We need to be a people that stand. We can't be leaning left or right. <laughs> we need to stand in the Word of God. And so there's false doctrines, and, and more than ever, we need to get into the Word so that we can handle the real, like they handle um, currency, and they handle it a lot so that they can eventually pick up on what is the genuine and when they get a counterfeit they immediately know we need to be able to handle the real and get well versed in the word of God why we need to get in the word of God because I think we've become lazy Bible readers 42% of America I think it's just America because one day when or when the aliens come in movies they always go to America um, so 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 that's why all the stats is from America. I think it's just because they've got people doing the stats there. But I think it's quite common. I, I, I won't disagree with this if I think of the church in South Africa. 42% of America read their Bible at least once a month. A month. At least once. Some people read more, but 42% at least once and more. Christians. These are Christians. These are Bible-owning Americans. And then obviously, some, some do it once a year. And I think sometimes it's our lesser choice when it comes to our personal devotion. We enjoy worship music, we enjoy to pray, we enjoy to speak to the Lord, journal. Sometimes reading the Bible becomes the lesser part. And so we become lazy Bible readers. 1 Peter 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave the pure spiritual milk so that it, by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've test, tasted that the Lord is good. We need to crave the milk of the Word. We need to, like infants, crave it. 
And you can tell me I'm not a good reader. I don't like reading. I want to tell you it's not whether you like reading or not. There's something supernatural when you dive into Scripture and say, Holy Spirit, make this alive for me. I'm craving. I want to fall in love with your word because it's your word to me. It's God's word to us. It's God breathed. I once had a, a vision where, where um, a couple of years ago I also preached about the word of God. And the Lord took me to that scripture. And it says that it's the scripture, all of scripture is God breathed. And when you read scripture, it's almost like you're getting oxygen from God himself. And it's this wonderful way he breathed life. It's a moment where he breathes life into us as we open up the scripture and we say, Holy Spirit, make this alive. Come nourish me. It's my daily bread. Nourish me. I'm craving it. And so it's something supernatural, something that you can pray and ask God, God, give me a love for your word. I know I'm not a reader. You don't have to read any other books if you're not a reader. But ask the Lord to give you a passion and a desire to get into the word of God because it is life-giving. Not the religious task of doing it, but if you sit with it and you say, God, wash over me. We had stats here last year about people that stopped struggling with porn because they were reading the Bible three to four times a week. People that were struggling in sin got freedom. It says there was a renewed passion for um, uh, uh, evangelism. There was a renewed passion for discipleship when people read their Bible three to four times a week. It said that um, people struggle with loneliness. That went away as they spent three to four times a, a week in the Word of God. So there's something with the Word washes us. Supernatural. And why do we need to get in the Word of God? The last point I want to make not for the whole sermon, but just for this section, is um, that it's, it's a weapon. And we will fight. We, we're in a battle, people. I want to tell you, we are in a spiritual battle. And it's probably more real than what we think. And if you're not facing a battle now, I want to tell you, you will face a battle. You will. Because <laughs> the enemy doesn't like that we're taking ground. And I want to tell you, if you haven't fought a battle quite recently, you're not in one now, and you don't think you're going to get one soon, then you're not probably really following Jesus like you should. Because if you're following Jesus like you should, you will find opposition. You will face temptation. You will fight various battles. And the Word of God is our sword. It's a battle that we can wage war with, and we need this upskill in terms of our weapon. What's our first response when we face difficulty? Challenges, temptation. Do we run to the Word of God? My theology is a lamp unto my feet. Oh. My opinion is a light unto my feet. No. My expertise and my experience. No. My psychologist is a lamp unto my feet. No. My religious affiliation is a lamp unto my feet. No. The Word of God is a lamp unto your feet. And that should be our first response. All the other stuff is, is good at times, and I've got no issue with it. But our first response should be the Word of God. That is the light unto our path. Not the prophet. Not the book. But the Bible. His Word is the light unto our path. Amen? John 8. Wow, the cake was there the whole time. Are you guys still okay? <laughs> You're coping. <laughs> <laughs> a vision. 
18th of February. <laughs> so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Go to the next slide. Jesus said to them, If you abide in my word, Logos, the sum of all his teachings, the word, if you abide in it, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The word washes us, it cuts us, it transforms us, it nourishes us, it directs us, it reveals God to us, it breaks down sin and areas in our lives, and it builds us up into maturity. And the word of God sets us free. It doesn't say if you abide in your opinion, if you abide in your emotion, if you abide in your theology. No, it's abide in my word. Sometimes we abide more in our feelings. I recently had a situation and, and people are faced with a difficulty. And in, in leading them constantly, I'm feeling to do this. I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling like that. And nowhere over the course of four days was there ever, I want to yield to that scripture. Or I believe God is saying this in this situation. It's just, I want, I feel. And we're abiding in our feeling and we're not going where God wants to take us. And it's not the first instance where I sat with someone trying to help them to follow Jesus that I've heard for days. A statement, I feel, I want. And not God says. Or His Word says. And so may we be a people that abide in the Word of God. Because it will set us free. That's the promise. So um, the picture for me about abiding in the Word is this of a, of a force field. So I actually just catch up on my school um, physics. Because um, physics for me, the highlight of physics was eating my sandwiches before break time. <laughs> don't know why. Why do boys do that? You want to eat your sandwiches before break time in the class. And seeing my friend from the other class. So that was my highlights of physics. So and I had to catch up a bit. So I had to catch up a bit on physics. So as I understand, force fields are there created by a magnetic component that creates this force field. And there's magnitude and direction involved when it comes to force fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the earth, the, the direction is towards it because there's gravity. And then there's magnitude. So the further you go away, the lesser the pull is. The lesser the, 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 the pull is of the force field. So the further you go away, the easier you are to drift away. The more you're in it, the more you want to go closer and closer and closer. And by abiding in the Word of God, it means that. It's stepping into the force field of God's Word. And as you abide in it, you're going to get pulled closer and closer and closer. And your desire to drift away won't happen because you're in it. And so sometimes you feel like, oh, I read the Bible today and it feels like, oh, tomorrow. But what you're actually doing is you put yourself in a force field, and you might feel far away, but just stay in it. As you move, you'll go closer and closer, and there's, there's that, there's that um, pull of the Word of God if you give yourself to it. And if you abide in it, you're in the pull, you're in the, the, the force of it, and 
by nature, you'll follow him better. And as you're doing that, you're experiencing the truth, and the truth sets you free. That's why people stop looking at porn. That's why they don't struggle with loneliness anymore. Because they're in that force field, and they're coming closer, and they're experiencing freedom of God's word. The Holy Spirit does it in us as we apply ourselves. Apparently, if an asteroid goes to the far end and it moves around, the longer it stays in the force field, the closer it will get to the earth. Just get in there. Even if you feel like you're on the outskirts now when it comes to reading the Bible, just get in there. So I want to highlight three things. You're going to go to the next slide. Just three things, and then we're going to bring it to a close. The word, I shared, the word nourishes, the word cleanses. There's so many things that the word does, but I want to highlight three force fields for us. Um, that we need to get in. The first one is the pleasure of the person. The pleasure of the person. You can just see some of the, there'll be scriptures there. You can just go to the scriptures for me as I highlight them. Um, the pleasure of the person. There's a little photo. I'm not sure if you've got that photo for me. Um, do you have the photo? Did you get it? The pleasure of the person. We've got to realize at creation, God told um, Adam, you can eat. They mentioned two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they never said, you can, you don't, you're not allowed to eat of the tree of life. They could have ate of the tree of life. That represented Jesus. It was a picture, a, a shadow of Jesus. But they shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sometimes our challenge is we want to get into the Word of God either to tick a box or to get information. And that's not really why it's there. It's so you can eat of the tree of life and engage with a person. And so what's the first force field? The pleasure of the person of Jesus. That's why why we want to get into the Word of God. Because we want to get to know Him more. The pleasure of knowing Him. And if you're in that force field and you give yourself to it, you'll get to love Him more and more and more. It does. It does queer. What's it in English? It does... eh? Cultivate. It does cultivate a love and a passion for Jesus if you're in the Word of God. It's about the person, not about the information, not about the rights or the wrongs. It's about the person. Lizaldi recently got this love letter from our six-year-old. A lot of little color there at the top. I think he got lazy. Um, and there's a little bit of art. There's a hashtag, ma'am. I'm not sure why there's a hashtag. We saw that. Um, but there's some clouds. Lizaldi could do one or two things. She can just go, oh, I love you, my boy. Thank you for that. And just enjoy him. He created this. He gave it to her. And she could just enjoy the moment of intimacy with the son. Or she could go like, okay, let me go and find out why did he put the hashtag before the man? What's the, what's the, what's the significance of the color of the sun? Why is the tree, why is the branch so long and the short one there? And then she would miss the moment. She would miss the point. Because it was never to try and... It was just to communicate love. And she could focus on just, in that moment, connecting with a person. So when we firstly, when we get into the Word, it's to connect with Him. It's intimacy with Him. So getting the forceful of the pleasure of the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the persuasion of the truth. You can go to Ephesians 4 verse 14 there for me. The persuasion of the truth. There's something if we're in that force field where the truth, his truth, remember there's not many truths, there's one truth. 
but we're not well skilled in it. But we, if we're in that forefield of the truth, it shapes us, it forms us, it pulls us in. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Stand firm then with a the belt of, no, not that one, the Ephesians 4. We're going to get to that one next. It should be there somewhere in between Ephesians 4. I'm going to read it so long. Then we will no longer be um, infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is there, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, builds itself up as each part does its part. The first bit there, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people. If we're in the Word of God, we will not be blown away by every wind of doctrine because we're handling Virginia. And it's shaping us and it's transforming our minds so that when someone shares something that's contrary to Scripture, you know that's, that's not what my God says because I'm well skilled in Scripture. Lastly, you can go to those three points again. So it's the pleasure of the person, the persuasion of the truth, and the last force field is the protection of its power. The protection of its power. It's a weapon we shared earlier on. We shared earlier on. My, um, I think some weapons there at home. Some serious weapons. Some serious weapons. And then this weapon, I don't know if any of you are familiar with this weapon. But this weapon in the hand of a five-year-old is one of the most amazing weapons. It can be a javelin. It can be a sword. It can be a lightsaber. This weapon is a real deal in the hand of a five-year-old. But you can't go to war with this. We need to get well-skilled in the weapons of our warfare. And one of the weapons of our warfare, it's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. Is the word of God. And we need to get skilled and familiar with this weapon. Jesus did it. So if you think you don't have to, Jesus did it. We read in Matthew 4, Jesus being tempted by the enemy. Let's read there. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did Jesus fight? It is written. It is written. He fought with the word of God. Interesting thing is, a couple of things I just want to highlight there. You'll see now in the rest of the temptations, the enemy constantly starts with if. If always the so doubt. Always so doubt. And then Jesus counters that with truth, with Scripture. He speaks it, not just thinks it, he doesn't, he speaks it, he proclaims it. And we need to be people that proclaim the word of God in our situation. Amen? <laughs> then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands so that you will not, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
They were also said it is written. But it was out of context. Out of context. But Jesus was able to identify that because he knew the truth. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. There's times where the angels don't come and attend him, where we need to wage war with scripture, where, where we tempted and we're on that place and we get to say, okay, cool, I need a, I'm facing a battle. I need to get the word of God out. There's a worship song. Um, this is how I fight my battles. That is true, but it's not the truth. Because <laughs> I can't just fight my battles knowing that I'm surrounded. At times, I need to get the word of God and know that I'm surrounded by God, but I need to apply the word of God and I need to speak it so that I can fight my battle. That's, that song, I think at times, it's a prophetic song that at times has a place, but it can't create a passivity in the church thinking that we're just surrounded and I do nothing. If you do nothing... You will fall. You've got to stand. Ephesians 6 speaks about having done all to stand. Put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Speaking about the armor of God, Ephesians 6, it says that it speaks about the whole armor. And it speaks about the, the um, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you look at all those, they're all defensive breastplates. Helmets. The only one that's offensive is the word of God. And so we need to take our stands. We need to defend. But we also need to strike. And we strike with the word of God. This is our weapon of our warfare. So we're going to do something as a church. And I'll tell you now in a short while what we're going to do. But I want to encourage us really to dive into scripture. And let that start shaping us. Apply yourself in the force field. The pleasure of the person. The... Um, I forgot my points. The pleasure, of the, the persuasion of the truth and the protection of its power. Let's get in there and get pulled in. Imagine a whole church that's not part of the 42% that reads Bible once a month. But we're a church that applies ourselves. Finding freedom. Dealing with loneliness. Opening up our homes because we're seeing that in scriptures and we just want to apply the word of God. And we've got faith for what God calls us. Renewed passion for discipleship and evangelism. Imagine that. It's going to start as we apply ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, make this alive to us. We want the spirit and the word. We're not, we don't just want the word, we want both. And you can invite the spirit to journey with you. Amen. Just quickly on the armor of God, and I want to end with this. One thing that I just want to say this. One thing that I found is, I've shared this with people before. Reading the Bible is putting wood in a, in a fireplace, stoking that fire. And so at times when you put wood in the fire, nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. You put a big log in there, and there's nothing for a short while. But then that wood sets on fire. And then there's heat, and then there's something to burn. Throw a small stick in there, it will burn quickly, but it will die quickly as well. And putting in, reading the scriptures, like putting wood in there. And I've seen people being touched by God, and because they're not in the word, it's like a quick flame, and it dies quickly again. And there's nothing to burn. 
And so we call out that God wants to come and touch you by His Spirit. And people respond for a moment and encounter with the Spirit of God. And He touches people and it's like, whoa! If we're in the Word of God and we're soaking that fire, and He comes and He touches us, there's something to burn. There's a faith. There's a, there's a substance. And I've seen it. People that, that's faithful in the Word and they get touched by the Spirit of God. It just definitely seems like there's a longer burning of that flame because I've learned the skill of persevering good soil are those who persevere with God's word so the interesting thing about the armor the only thing it doesn't protect is our back so it's got a feet, helmet, breastplate shield, sword, everything the only thing it doesn't protect is our back I got this from Derek Prince and I thought it was so profound And he said this. He said he thinks it's significant that our backs isn't protected. And he mentioned two reasons. The first one is we can never stop fighting. Because the moment we stop fighting and we turn around, our back is exposed. So we need to be people that stand and endure in the fight. And use the word of God and keep on fighting. Secondly, Roman soldiers back in the day in ancient times... They foot shoulders normally fought together to cover one another's backs. So what they would do is they would fight together. And when one person feels they are oppressed and in danger, the others would come in and fight and protect his back. Why is our backs exposed? Because we need to fight together and fight for one another. And so there's something as we fight for one another, as we, as we encourage one another, that we're protecting one another's back. And so into the season, as we want to dive into the Word, we could just announce and say, as a church, we're, just gonna, we're not going to read any other books for a season. We just want to dive back into the Word of God and find a new passion and a love for God's Word. We can announce it, and it can just be something that we've heard and not do it. But I want to implore us today, can we get into the Word as a people? As a people going on a mission together. As God's people, let's get into the Word of God, and let's do it together and cover one another's backs. Because there are times that we're weak, and encouragement for someone just... Have you ever heard that scripture that someone just sends? And it just, that just encourages you, puts faith in your heart. So practically what we're going to do into this next season is we want to read the Bible together. And we're going to have focused areas. Um, you can go to the, the last slide that looks like that. And for the next coming week, and for the next, I don't know how long we'll do it. We're not going to put a time to it. It's not going to be a little campaign that we're going to run. But we just want to get back into the Word of God and consume it. So as a church, we're going to read through. Do you have it there? Lost, okay. Lost in translation. No stress. The book of Ephesians and the book of Philippians, we're going to read. Now, I know some of you might have just felt like, oh, two books. And the Bible in one week. It's nine chapters in total. Okay? So it's not going to be a chapter a day. So you know that we're not going to have a chapter a day or a specific chapter. We're going to have something for the week because I know sometimes times are different and, and you've got your own challenges. But Ephesians will take you, if you're a quick reader, 20 minutes. If you're a slow reader, 30 minutes. Philippians, if you're a fast reader, will take you 15 minutes. If you're a slow reader, 20 minutes. Worst case, it will take you 50 minutes out of your week. 24 times 7, that's the amount of hours you have. Not even one of them. Just spend time in God's Word. I think that's doable. I think that's possible. 
I don't think anyone is too busy not to do that. I, think, I don't think we can afford not to do that. Amen? So as a church, you can, you can read beyond that. You don't have to be limited by that. Um, if you're in the force field and you're feeling you want more, go for it. But as a church, can we commit to this together? And we read the Bible of, and we encourage one another out of it. And we speak. Let's speak about the Bible. And let's get into the force field. Amen? Amen. So let's pray and the worship team can come up. And we're going to end this morning just worshiping our living God.